You're listening to the Health by Design podcast, and I'm your host, Roar Alexander, wellness architect and functional lifestylist. I spent nearly six years of my life on a journey through the ancient East to bring you the cutting-edge combination of modern Western health sciences blended with the time-proven ancient traditions, principles, and practices that have flourished through thousands of years across countless cultures, peoples, and nations. Join me and my many special guests from all corners of the globe as we aim to help you live stronger, longer, and better. Hey everybody, welcome to the Health by Design podcast. I am your host, Roar Alexander, and I'd like to thank you for joining me for another great episode. Uh, this, this week's episode is actually really interesting because you probably know now that you know my nickname is the, the wellness architect and the functional lifestylist, and the kind of the two names I've given myself. Well, I actually did not know that there were real life wellness architects out there. These are actually people who build homes uh, and the entire, everything from the planning right up to the building of the home, whether it be home or even businesses and buildings, are actually uh, kind of architected and, and constructed to be healthy homes. So while I thought I was all, you know, super smart coming up with such a, an interesting and original term, turns out that term was already somewhat taken. So today's episode, I am talking to Kate Hamblett, and Kate Hamblett is an actual wellness architect. Her entire practice, her architecture business revolves around uh, creating a healthy home for you and your family. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Kate and I are two people who share the same interests. We we have a definite huge, uh, you know, everything that we talk about. We could we could have two or three episodes very easily because it's just great stuff. Um, you know, so the nice thing about her, as I said, is an architect. So she can, you know, if you have a home right now, she can actually help you uh, if you're doing any sort of reconstruction or, you know, any sort of, um, you know, redesign of your house. Uh, if it's not something, you know, knocking down walls or rebuilding kitchens, she can actually also help you with just your design and just the, the things that are inside your house. So she could do, you know, wellness interior design as well as full out. You want to build a house, um, then you can, you know, you can contact her as well or if you want to do any sort of remodeling. So uh, you can go to Kate's website at Balanced Home balancedlife.com. You can check that out. I believe right now she's also doing, now depending where you listen to this, this could be long over. This could just be happening. But if you go to her Facebook page and you check out her stuff, I know she is doing some Facebook Live stuff right now and she's starting to get quite heavy into the social media. So I'm only sure you hear more about her in the show notes. I will put uh, the website for her down below as well as her where you can find her on Instagram, which is just balanced underscore architecture. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of fun in this episode and Kate and I both share a passion for the exact same room. Uh, when she contacted me, she said, you know, what do you want to talk about in particular? Because she said she was on a real kick for doing kitchens. And I said, well, to me, the kitchen is the perfect room to start because as you know, if you know if anything about feng shui, you know, I'm a big fan of kind of a contemporary kind of health version take on feng shui the kitchen whether you're talking feng shui or even indian vastu but the kitchen is the nourishment center of the home to me it is where the home is you know where health is created um you know so the kitchen really is kind of the the anchor when it comes to your health um in feng shui the triad you know is the kitchen the uh bedroom and the washroom um, but, you know, the kitchen to me is probably the most important room followed closely by the bedroom, which I'm sure she would agree. I can't remember if we talked about that or not, but um, we definitely spent some time talking about kitchens. Uh, if you follow my blogs, I've talked before about the, uh, you know, kind of the kitchens we have right now are relics of World War II, kind of, you know, these Thing. I mean, I know they're bright sometimes, but you know, basically you just lock all your food away in cans and boxes behind drawers because you're waiting for, you know, the atomic bombs to land on you. So there's a lot of work we can do when it comes to improving our kitchen. And of course, I'm not just talking about the aesthetics. I'm not just talking about, you know, painting things and making them look a little brighter. I'm talking about the entire 
design of the kitchen, the design of the cupboards, uh, the use of the refrigerator, the growing your food, uh, you know, using technology to a point to help you, you know, we're talking about food scales and measuring cups. So there's lots of stuff we can do, honestly, to improve the kitchen and turn it into a real, uh, you know, nourishment center for yourself, your home and your family. So uh, with no further ado, we're going to be moving on to Kate. Actually, just before we get to that, though, do not forget, you know, if you're struggling with your nutrition, if you're struggling with your fitness, if you're struggling with your health, um, you know, you're just not feeling great. You've tried everything. You've gone out there and you've tried all the different diets. You've tried, you know, all the different workouts and CrossFit's not working for you and Orange Theory. And you just feel like you just need some guidance. You could use some help, whether it's consulting or coaching. You know, I also do both of those. I'm available, of course. Um, just for consulting, if that's something you're interested in, that's what I say, you know, just helping you get on the right track. Uh, I'm more than happy to do that. I really do view myself more as an educator and a guide. Um, you know, I'm not one of those, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, see you every week and carry on forever. I really believe that, you know, you should be taught and guided so you actually don't need to have uh, you know, personal trainers or nutritionists or anything uh, going down the road. So if you're just looking for some consulting or you need some of that full-out coaching, you say, hey, you know, I want to do coaching with you for six months or one year or whatever it is, you can feel free to go and set up a free call with me. Um, you can do that through my website. Just go to www.roaralexander.com slash free call. So again, that's roaralexander.com slash free call. Uh, you can read a little bit about what I offer there. And at the bottom, you're going to see there's a little application form. It's got just, I think it's got maybe 10 questions on it. Just fill that out, send it to me. And if it looks good, um, I will email you back. We'll set up a call. I mean, everything is on there. It's very straightforward. So make sure you check that out if you feel like you could definitely be using some help in the health uh, nutrition, you know, just wellness department to just get you going, make you, as I always say, live stronger, longer, and better. And now, with no further ado, let's get on to Kate Hamlet from Balanced Home, Balanced Life. Hey, everybody. So I am here with Kate Hamlet, and Kate Hamlet is a real-life wellness architect. How are you today, Kate? Good. How are you, Roy? Not too bad. You know, I was I was kind of upset when I thought I invented the term wellness architect. And it turns out I did not. You've been using it for a while. <laughs> and I did not invent it either. I got it from somebody else. So it's spreading. Yeah. The word is getting out there. It is. It is. Now, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, like, for instance, you are a, a real-life architect. How did you become a wellness architect? And what does that mean? Sure. So, uh, yes, I'm a licensed architect um, in the States, and I um, got into architect or wellness architecture a little over three years ago. I've always, um, even since college when I was studying architecture, got really passionate about sustainable design, which is just designing for the health of the planet. Mm -hmm. And then three years ago, I heard about this program called the Well Building Standard, and it's a rating system for for architects and engineers to use to just start um, to design buildings that will enhance the health of the occupants that live in the building. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is that when you're designing a building that enhances the health of the occupants, you're also usually designing for the health of the planet. So when I discovered the well building standard and I realized what it can do for um, you know the health of the occupants and also that it really fits into what I already am passionate about, which is sustainable design, I just fell in love and rolled with it. So as a wellness architect, now I focus my attention on designing um, spaces, especially homes for families that um, are looking to create a house that will make their, uh, their families healthier, happier, and provide uh, better longevity for awesome. them. Awesome. That sounds great. Though the well building standard, let's talk about that. So what, what is, is that like a, a, is that a professional organization? Is that an international standard? Like what, what is that exactly? It's a, it's a professional organization, um, that if uh, any listeners have heard of lead, the lead rating system and that that's a rating system for uh, creating sustainable buildings. Lead is to sustainability as the well building standard is to wellness. It's a rating system internationally recognized uh, such a cool program that they came out with because it was created by scientists, doctors, architects, engineers, 
And they all just spent years and years researching what makes, um, what we need to do to buildings to make them healthier and do these things actually work. So they're providing the data and all that wonderful research saying that if we do design our buildings in this particular way, then yes, it, the, the, the people that are using these buildings are going to have a healthier lifestyle. So. so let me ask you, can you give us some examples of some guidelines, like some of, some of the, the bigger primary examples that they might use in that? Yeah, so uh, obviously a big one that they focus on right away is air quality. So there's a lot of guidelines for the the um, like the amount of oxygen that needs to be in the in the buildings, the air exchanges that are happening, the amount of toxins that are allowed to be in the buildings, like the particulate matter, which is this really you know minuscule toxins that are floating in the air that are horrible for humans to be ingesting. Mm. It gives us guidelines on how much can be um, in the air. Uh, the types of furnishings and fixtures or you should be using or staying away from that are producing these bad toxins. Um, and then, so that's just the air quality. They have a full spectrum of covering everything from air quality all the way to nutrition even. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and the other cool one that they do, the nutrition, and they also um, focus on mind. So with nutrition, they... Uh, have guidelines for how to, um, like what to include in your building. And they, the well building standard is focused more on commercial design, so bigger buildings. Mm -hmm. So like if you have a vending machine, what you can actually have in your vending machine. So oh. you're not just filling it with crap that people are, you know, all the workers there are just filling, you know, their bodies with crap all day long. So so when um, <laughs> when your building gets when you when you build on that building do you get like some kind of does the building get some kind of stamp that says like this building is well building certified or something like yes. that? Okay. So as long as you follow the standard, um, you meet. They have different levels of certification, so you can get um, you know like certified up to gold or platinum, and then you know, the building is certified, which is a nice marketing material, and with the well building standard you actually have to keep up with um, reporting the the health of the building. I think it's every three years, I want to say. Hmm. So it's not like you just get this certification and then you can let everything you know fall apart and that's that. Um, you actually have to keep up with it to keep your certification. You have to keep testing your building, making sure it's still healthy, making sure it's still meeting all of the requirements of the standard. So one of the things for that be, I guess one of the examples be, um, if you build this nice building, but then you just go and start using like Lysol and all these like really strong cleaners, yeah. that would be a big no for them. They're like, no, you got to stick exactly. with the green cleaners and vinegars and maybe things like that. Okay, that's, right. that's really interesting. I find it very interesting because um, this isn't the first time I've heard somebody like you talk about sustainability or what they call green design. And then this mm -hmm. is kind of the next evolution of it because they talked about that. I get, you know, because it was about 10 or 15, 20 years ago, maybe, where they, a lot of buildings were switching to you know, talking about green design, reusing bamboo or reusing recycled tires and stuff like that. So that was the very, like you said, very good for the planet. But now it's evolved into very good for the people as well. So it's, uh, it's kind of like, like biophilic design is kind of like that, right? Exactly. Biophilic design talks about bringing the nature inside as opposed to just using green materials but actually making the inside look like a you know have lots of trees and stuff like that so right that's yeah, yeah. a really interesting evolution of the entire thing um i find it interesting because it's almost like a westernized scientific view on you know almost like on feng shui and like indian vastu you know Mm -hmm. which was all about living within your circadian rhythm, you know, connecting with nature, trying to just, you know, just understanding that humans are connected to nature. So their buildings from what they knew and the way they designed it, you know, depending on what hemisphere they were in, your house should face the sun, for instance. So you get lots of bright light and stuff like that. So it's uh, just a very westernized version of that, kind of like the how Chinese traditional medicine is kind of reflected now in functional medicine. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very, very interesting ideas. So let's talk then about, um, first, before we jump into the, what's the homes, let's talk a little bit about these, because um, a lot of people aren't aware, but the wellness, the wellness home industry, people wanting to really 
you know, uh, have healthier homes. It's quite a growing industry, and there's entire towns that are being built now uh, around this. So, right. Um, like for instance, the first time I heard about it was in India, and it was called Wellness Town. And you said you had heard one in Florida, but so these are just kind of entire towns that they're building, uh, but with help with wellness kind of at the forefront. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's a you think it's a good trend to go towards this direction? <laughs> Oh, definitely. Why not? Yeah. If, I mean, if a whole community can be working together and creating this, this wellness center, basically, then we can only get healthier because yeah. of that. So there's, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. They're saying it's at $52.5 billion market right now and going up 6% a year. So yeah. people that aren't aware, wellness towns are basically just like, kind of like your, what you designed for your homes, but built into whole cities. They're, they're talking about, you know, a lot of them don't have Wi-Fi routers, um, a lot of them, you know, very green, sustainable materials, no cars allowed. A lot of it's only bicycles allowed. Everything's pretty much in walking distance, um, you know, major recycling and composting programs. So, so yeah, very- and it's awesome because it's really combining perfectly the, sustain- the sustainability and the wellness in just one, you know, yeah, it's just realizing <laughs> that we're part of the planet and we have to take care right. of it, but we also have to take care of ourselves. Because the thing is, you can you could technically get there's I mean, imagine there would be green products out there that are still probably not overly great for your health. You yes. know, so it's just yeah, it's definitely one of those things you gotta be aware of. So let's talk about home design specifically. So there's two basically kind of ways there's the architecture where you're actually designing people's homes. And then the other side would be, do you do any consulting on maybe people who have a home and just want to make it healthier? Do you do both? I do, yes. So I have a custom design business that um, it's more of people that are local to where I am in New Hampshire. And I'll work with them to to design a a custom healthy home for them. Um, And that's a lot of fun. But because I wanted to just be helping more than just my local community and getting the word out there, as much as I possibly can about wellness architecture and wellness design and why it's so important for us in our homes and our families mm-hmm. that I created Balanced Home, Balanced Life, this website that is more of an online platform where I can share as much information to as many people as I can possibly reach to um, do consulting services. I also have courses and other programs on there and just a lot of um, really helpful articles and stuff to teach as many people as possible about how to transform their homes. Hmm. So your website is balancedhomebalancedlife.com, correct? Yes. So what we'll do today, because um, I guess there's two directions we could go. We could talk about you know the materials that go into building a new home. But I'm assuming most people listening, you know, are already living in a home. I think I think the percentage of people building their homes is much smaller than people living in homes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So what we'll do today, I think, is let's spend a majority of our time talking about the things people can do, whether within their home right now, small things, or maybe if they're planning on, you know, renovating a, a room or within the home, as opposed to just building an entire home from like, you know, from the ground up. So, yeah, that sounds great. So what are the sorts of things then? Let's talk about what are the sort of the bigger points you try to get across when somebody brings you in for a home wellness home consultation? Well, the first thing I want to focus on is um, creating that, that healthy indoor air. Because if you don't have healthy air, then no matter what else you do, you're still um, having these toxins in your home that is hindering your health. Mm-hmm. So we want to um, just implement strategies to um, to bring in fresh air, to get the toxins out. And the reason why this is so important is because typical homes, I would say most homes, especially in the U.S., and I'm sure in most other countries um, out there, they, they aren't designed um, very well for uh, ventilation. Okay. So we are not we're not getting the fresh air into our homes that we need, which means that we're just living in these boxes that are full of stale toxin filled air. And there's no, there's no changing getting that fresh air or that toxic air out and fresh air in. So that's what we really want to focus on, um, to start. And, uh, the, actually one of the easiest ways to do that is just to open up your windows. So yeah, I was, I was going to ask, I was going to ask about that. Would this be more true with a lot of these kind of newer homes, these energy efficient where everything's sealed so you don't lose exactly. money on electricity? 
So, yep. Yeah, now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Now, do a lot of people, when you say air, see, when I, whenever I hear air pollution, because I'm a big person proponent on, you know, clean air too, but I find people kind of roll their eyes because they're like, oh, you know, we live in Canada, we live in the U.S. and our air is clean. It's not like we're living in India. Um, do you have to deal with some of that kind of people, they don't really quite understand the air pollution in their homes or? No, because when I tell them that, uh, indoor air is actually more polluted than outdoor air and explain why, because we do live in a sealed box mm -hmm. and everything that's in our home is emitting, um, these toxic chemicals, then people start to understand that I'm not talking about the air quality outside because it's actually better to be outside than inside yep. for the majority of the cases. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, some <laughs> mitigating options. Your first one was opening a window. Like to me, I always have a window open, usually a cross breeze <clears throat> in the house, even in the winter time, um, usually mm -hmm. at least a centimeter. But what other things? So, you know, let's say, you know, parts of the country get down to negative 20, <laughs> negative 10. Yeah. What, what, are, what are the other things we can do um, to get cleaner air in our home? So uh, if you can't open your windows, then another good place to start is by keeping the dirt that is in your shoes mm -hmm. out of your home. Mm -hmm. And the reason we want to do this is because um, dirt, when you're walking around all day long on the streets, in the um, grass, wherever you are, you're picking up contaminants, um, pesticides, chemicals from the asphalt, animal waste. It's really gross what's actually attached to the People dirt. People waste that's, if you live in a big city. Yeah, oh, God, that's <laughs> very true. Uh, so, uh, and what happens, you're bringing all those contaminants into your house uh, because it's all just stuck to the bottom of your shoes. Mm -hmm. So a really easy way to avoid this is just to put uh, entry mats at on the outside of your door and then right on the inside of your door. Mm -hmm. So you can scrape your feet as soon as you come up to your front door, just scrape your feet and then the moment you get in, take your shoes off. And that'll help prevent the spread of these toxins coming all over your, your house. 100%. Now, have you been to Asia before? I have not. <laughs> if you go to Asia, particularly depending on where you are, but I would say a big chunk of Asia. I know in Thailand, um, a lot of places in China, Japan for sure. They, you, everybody takes. You do not wear shoes in the house. I mean, it's just the right. way it goes. You just take it. You take. You wear your shoes on in Japan in a house. They actually have most of the houses there. Actually, have a little section they built, sort of similar to what you're saying. A little section where you can obviously tell the shoes are there, and there's usually a pair of slippers right in front of it. But mm. yeah, in Asia, even businesses, a lot of businesses, you take off your shoes when you walk inside, that's particularly cool. <laughs> if the business is their home. So yeah, so no, right. that's that's a big one. So what else? So we got shoes yeah. off. We got open windows. Um, so this one is not very much fun, but probably one of the best things you can do is dust in vacuum a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's because the dust in, that is inevitably going to be in your home is actually just a vehicle for all the toxins that are, that are off-gassing from um, you know, the furniture you have, the flooring, the cabinetry. Everything in your house really is off-gassing chemicals and toxins. So they get attached to the dust and then the dust carries, you know, carries it all over the house for you, drops it into different places in your home. Yep. And then you, you know, if you disturb that dust, now all of that, all those toxins are coming into your face and you're ingesting them. So, so would you suggest like yeah. a microfiber cloth and a little bit damp so you're not just putting the dust back up in the air? Exactly. Yeah. You don't want just like one of those dusting, I don't know, Feather feathery things. Yeah. <laughs> you do. You want a damp cloth, wipe it up and then clean the cloth and, um, you know, just do that, you know, at least once a week if you can. And that will definitely help. And then with vacuuming, same thing. Um, do that often, but use, make sure you're using a vacuum that has a HEPA filter yep. and that's going to suck in all those incredibly t fine particulates that um, typical vacuums can't grab. So Gotcha. And I want to talk a little bit about cleaning products in a minute because quite often people when they vacuum and dust do use, you know, some sprays and different powders. Right. So but we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, sure. Now, when it comes to air, what are your thoughts on, you know, um, you know, there's companies out there now, there's a lot of them now that are actually like a molecule, for instance, inventing these, they got these crazy air filters going on, these true mm. HEPA filters with like ultra blue light in them. Uh, and then, so your thoughts on air filters and also plants, what are your thoughts on those two? Uh, I think, yes, definitely air purifiers, air filters, those are great. I have one in my own home and I do recommend them, especially if you have a, are in a family that has allergies, those 
those really help just pulling the toxins out of the air that are agitating um, the allergies. So those were, unfortunately, uh, the more expensive that the air purifier is, the better it's going to work. So they're usually in the 400 plus range so of us dollars but uh, i think molecules they are, like a thousand so. yes <laughs> yeah. i know and i did look into that and i read reviews and i actually picked another brand over that um called austin air and i really i've been really happy with that purchase so okay yes i definitely recommend them um with plants also they are they say that they are um there are air purifying house plants out there and I definitely recommend putting them in your house. I don't think they're not magic. They're not going to take all the toxins out of your air and create this wonderful, healthy space, but they're a perfect complement to all the other things that you're doing. Um, and yeah, so they, you do want to look up, make sure you're picking ones that do have been found to be. um, Yeah. Are you familiar with the uh, NASA top 10 list? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've used to make sure I'm um, picking it. Yeah. The nice thing about plants, like you said, I guess the pros of plants is obviously an electronic air filter is going to clean the air a lot more. Like it's Mm going to do a great job. The the difference, so I guess a plant technically does create some new oxygen though, even if it's a little bit, but the air filters don't actually do that. So, right. Cool. Um, so that sounds, anything else on air? Is that pretty much covered it? You got a, you've cut down on the Let's talk about the cleaners, I guess, because yeah. even if you're cleaning and you're, you know, what do you suggest for cleaning? Because there's no point in filling the air back up with toxins again. No. So. And yeah, so if like, if you're dusting, don't use anything like Pledge. I don't even know why that exists. I guess to make it shinier. But I remember mm, that's how nice. I had to clean my house. <laughs> I was in charge of dusting when I was a kid and we used Pledge. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, what did it do? It just made the floor really slippery. Yeah, it's true. So <laughs> you don't need Pledge. You don't need anything to help dust. Uh, with other cleaners, just look for um, more of the natural products. Like I go to or my go-to is seventh generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they have that in Canada. I'm they assuming yep. they do. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's one that I feel confident using. And honestly, I just buy their like the multi surface cleaner or multi-purpose cleaner mm-hmm. and I use it for everything. Like there's no need to have a different cleaning sur- uh, product for every different thing in your house. So yeah, that's, really I think that's that a marketing thing. They've tried to trick yeah. you into thinking there's everything. But I personally, actually, most of the time, I actually just use vinegar myself. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. And if you want to make your own, that's Yeah. And the other thing that I do use, and I tell people, you know, the one thing about vinegar you got to be careful about is people think you can use it to clean the whole kitchen. And it's like, well, it cleans, but it's not a, what do they call it? It's not an antiseptic. So yeah. So I think that's where people get confused. So what do you think about, I use um, uh, hydro, what's it called? Um, hydrogen peroxide. What's your oh, okay. What are your thoughts on I haven't, that? I think I've heard mixed things about that. So I haven't mm-hmm. gone into hydrogen peroxide. When I think of, um, you know, m- making my own cleaners, I usually mm-hmm. stick to vinegar, lemons, and baking soda gotcha. <laughs> and water. Yeah, that's pretty much and what that, I do too. But I yeah, will use a bit of hydrogen peroxide in the kitchen for just the antiseptic. Because, oh, okay. um, I mean, yeah, I've heard a little bit back and forth, but seems to be more on the, the good side, I would say, than the negative stuff. Definitely, okay. I think, better than bleach for sure. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's and, even I mean, food there's no grade, right? There's food grade hydrogen peroxide. So it can't be that bad for you if you can technically drink it. So, exactly. No, yeah. no. So cool. Okay. Um. So yeah. So dev cleaners. Now, what about soaps on? Let's go more to the body. Let's talk about the body bit. So because we've talked about cleaning the house. Now, let's move along to cleaning your body. What kind of stuff do you suggest as far as, you know, what kind of soaps and shampoos and things do you use? Do you use anything special or? Uh, with, well, I use... Dr. Bronner's for like hand soap and um, my son's body wash mm-hmm. <laughs> and his hair. Like you can, if you wanted to, you could use Dr. Bronner's soap for everything. I use that for everything. It. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried it on my hair and I have really thick curly hair and it like, it just made my hair a gigantic oh, okay. mess. So <laughs> I don't recommend it for curly haired uh, people, but it um, works, you know, great on my son's super mm-hmm. straight, fine hair. <laughs> but what are so some of the things product. we should watch out for, I guess, when it comes to cosmetics and things um, like that? This isn't my area of expertise, to mm-hmm. tell you the truth. Um, I just, I always stick to natural ingredients. So like um, with moisturizer, I make sure I can 
I understand what every single thing is on the label. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're all just uh, real words and, and not chemicals. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? I mean, that's the thing is because you, you're not pro in the air, but you know, it doesn't really matter because the fact is just using natural is going to be better for you. I mean, you get into parabens right. and xenoestrogens <laughs> and all the phthalates and everything like that. And a lot of fancy words, nobody knows. But the best thing you can do right. at the end of the day, like personally for moisturizer, I just use shea butter. You know, yeah, just straight up shea butter. I use Dr. Yeah. <laughs> Bronner's in the shower. And then you can get like just coconut sort of these coconut or peppermint toothpaste and charcoal toothpaste you can get from the store. And I think you're pretty much better off. So Yeah. Um, sorry, you're going to say something? I did. I did just want to say something going back to the mm-hmm. air um, and the products uh, to that I didn't mention before. It was air fresheners. I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that because I know a lot of people use air fresheners like Febreze and just oh. like plug in scents to make their house smell better and to try to hide bad odors. And that is like one of the worst things you could be doing for the air quality in your house. hundred percent agree. Actually, yeah. It's just throwing a whole bunch of toxins um, into your air and you're totally consuming it. And it's, um, you know, that fragrance that you're smelling is, I think it's like hundreds of chemicals that make up the word fragrance and there's no regulation on it really. So, um, yeah, so stay away from air fresheners and just try making your own with like spices on the stove or something like that. Yep. And even I just, right now I have on my essential oil diffuser, you know, I put about four drops of cinnamon in that thing and it lasts almost half the day. It's great. So you put on that twice a day and you're golden. Um, yeah, Yeah. when, when I go to the Philippines, on the Philippines, they are huge on those plug-in ones for your car. So you walk in and the car, I literally once, I wasn't feeling very well on my way to a course. And this guy, I literally had to have him pull over because I like almost threw up. Oh my gosh. Like there are so strong. Those things are just terrible for you. So yeah, I mean, a couple drops of essential oils can go a long way. I carry a little eucalyptus one in my car. I just put a couple drops down and it's, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Okay. So let's move on from air. Do you do anything special when it comes to light? Because lately in the last year, especially with Dr. Sepando's research, you know, um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick kind of bringing his research to light, there's been so much emphasis on the health. And again, even getting back to feng shui and Ayurveda on the circadian rhythms. And light obviously is a master regulator of that. So how does light work when you're designing a place or helping somebody redo their home? Well, um, if I'm just focusing on like transforming their current home and I don't have the opportunity to design where particular rooms are going, because that could be a whole nother mm-hmm. uh, description. But uh, so what I would do is focus on the types of artificial lighting that we're going to put into their homes. Mm-hmm. And with the circadian rhythm, the main thing is you want you just you want your body to be exposed to the natural pattern of sunlight. So in the morning, you want this bright white light to suppress the production of melatonin, which is the hormone that aids in sleep. So when your body is exposed to this bright white light, it helps energize you. It stops that production and you just get this energy for the day. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the day, as you move through it, the, you know, the lighting is getting less bright white and eventually turning, turning into an orangey, uh, very uh, warm, toned lighting and that's what we need to be exposed to in the evenings because that will start creating the melatonin again which Mm -hmm. makes us sleepy and gets us ready for bed with lighting design and this is i would say especially important in rooms like the living room and then definitely in the bedroom Mm -hmm. you want to have multiple lighting strategies i would say so like in the living room where you know at some points you do you definitely want a nice bright light in there, you have an overhead light to do that to create the full um, lighting for the room. But if you're in there in the evening and you just want to be able to read a book, then have a little table lamp. So that's more of a task lighting. And in that table lamp, you have more of an orange colored light bulb in there. So you're getting the right types of lighting for the evening. And then the same goes for the bedroom where, you know, for the, you're like your bedside lamps make sure those have the orange colored light that uh so when you're reading in bed at night and not watching tv at night make sure yep. you're <laughs> for sure tv out of bedroom uh so you're 
as you're getting ready for bed, you're only seeing that orange colored light and it just helps calm your body down and get you ready for sleep. Yeah, I agree. Right now, actually, as I'm talking to you right beside me, I have my SAD lamp on. So oh, nice. got that 10,000 lux of bright light sitting a couple feet away from me. Um, do you great. have any favorite brands in particular um, when it comes to any of this sort of stuff? Is there a particular brand of, say, nightlight you use or daylight or anything like that? Or So I, um, and this could be controversial, but I mm -hmm. use the Philips Hue because, um, and I know <laughs> earlier we were talking about uh, EMFs and how mm -hmm. I don't really get into it, but... Uh, the so the the Philips Hue are really cool because they it's one light bulb and it changes the the color temperature um, it can do it on automatically because it's connected to the internet so mm -hmm. it's a smart light bulb and it can change from the bright white to the the warm orange color um, and you can set that up automatically through your phone for sure so that's that's a really, it's really neat because you only have to buy one light bulb. So, you know, rather than having different lighting fixtures all over your room for a different colored light that you need to try to be attaining throughout the day and evening, you can just have this one light fixture that will change um, basically with the sun. Yeah, I know those Philips ones are very popular. Actually, you may be interested in this. Um, recently, I had on a guy named Greg Uter. And he is the inventor of the bedtime bulb. So you may want to just take a look at that because we actually talked about the Philips. He has the Philips Hue. And we talk about that. And he talks about how he has it himself. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> while he still, he still feels that you know, his light bulb is still important. And he gets into flicker and all that sort of stuff too. Like the flicker yeah. of the lights and that sort of thing. So he actually talks about right. that. So we, we went into the Philips Hue quite a bit. So if you want to go back and listen to the podcast, I think it was only two episodes ago. Um, okay. He, he has a really his, – his, his is what I use at night. So basically I have uh, – I have, my practice is quite simple. Um, during the daytime right now, I have every single light on in my house, including my SAD light. And then I'll turn that off after the podcast, and I just keep on the regular lights. And then around 7.30, I turn off all like the pot lights, which are kind of your bright kind of CFL style. And I have mm -hmm. an orangey sh kind of chandelier in the middle of the room. What happens is around 8 to 8.30, I turn that one off. And then I just have on my uh, bedtime bulb lamps. Nice. And then the other thing I do with my TV, because I do watch sometimes TV. You know, I like to watch TV till usually about 9.30. What I'll do is I turn the contrast on that down by about 30%. And I've also taken out quite a bit of the blue just through the settings. So I just hit a button and it kind of oh, switches it to cool. night mode. So... Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Awesome. Have you ever yeah. used, what are your thoughts on those? Um, have you ever used a, like a, the Philips, say, wake-up light? Have you ever tried out that in the, in the winter? Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I do recommend doing this because most of us are waking up before the sun in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's really depressing to wake up when it's totally dark out. So the you can set the, the hue. It's basically an alarm clock, but with lighting. So it will just gradually turn on and get brighter and brighter in the morning until you finally notice it and you wake up. Um, I, I've used it. I, I'm not using it currently. Um, and I guess I'm not a good morning person. So mm -hmm. I like, no matter what is waking me up, it irritates me, <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> but it is pretty cool. It's a really cool feature. And especially if you're good at waking up and um, would rather be woken up to light opposed to um, an awful alarm clock than yeah. Than, yeah. See, and it's one of those things. See, because I, I lived in Asia for the last six years, and in Asia along the equator, basically, you know, the sun wakes comes up every morning at six and down by six, like around all year round. They don't have time changes, so I didn't have to mm. worry about it. But when I came back here, I moved back here in June, so the sun was out till about ten o'clock at night. So I had to invest in blackout blinds after just mm -hmm. a couple of weeks of being here. <laughs> the other thing in the last couple months, since, you know, mid-October, I was the opposite. The sun doesn't come up now till eight in the morning. So, I, and even Oof. though I'm a morning person, I was having a hard time waking up. So since yeah. I put, and I just bought on, I bought a no name knockoff, you know, of the wake up light. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a game changer for me. Uh, it wakes me oh, up good. and I'm up every morning at 530 sharp. It's great. Oh um, man. So anything else about light or should we move on to water now? Uh, yeah, we can move on. 
All right, so it. we'll go. We'll talk about water, then we'll really talk quickly about room purpose, but then we'll jump right into kitchens because I know we want to talk about kitchens a lot. So, okay. water. Just so, what are some of the big things we should be aware of when it comes to water? Because people say I can turn on the taps, so I have water. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, especially if you're getting well, either whether you're getting your water through municipal supply, so your city water, or you have a well, there is a risk of it being contaminated. Uh, obviously, municipal water is regulated, but not there to a certain level. Like they just, they allow up to a certain level of chemicals to come mm. through or whatever um, bad, um, bad things are. So you're not getting pure, wonderful water from your, from your municipal tap water, unfortunately. Yeah. And with wells, you have even more of a risk because there's ground contamination you have to worry about and we have a well so i've you know had it tested and have um seen what it can be exposed to and we've mitigated some of the some of the contaminants but um you are responsible for testing your own well water so if you do have a well make sure you're getting that tested yearly or every other year just to keep up with it and know mm -hmm. what you're actually drinking so, yes, you pretty much always want to be filtering your water. <laughs> yeah, because when I tell people, I say, because, you know, we talk about chlorine a lot. I say, listen, chlorine is great, and chlorine is needed to clean the water. Like, it does. That's mm -hmm. what cleans all the bacteria and the viruses in the water. But that's where it needs to stop. <laughs> you know, it stops right. at the processing plant. You don't want it in your body. You know? Right. Um, so while you definitely need it, you have, we have to have chlorine or else the water would not be really drinkable. But at the same time, you don't want to drink the chlorine. So it's kind of like that pro It's that process, but unfortunately, it's that process we end up drinking it when we really shouldn't. So, you know, if anything, just getting that chlorine out. I know people are back and forth on fluoride as well. Um, mm, you hear a yeah. lot of pros, a lot of cons. It's, it's interesting, actually. Um, Vancouver actually doesn't put fluoride in their water. Um, oh, okay. We don't have fluoride in our water, and we don't seem to have any problems. But just a couple of weeks ago, there was a town somewhere in the United States somewhere that actually reintroduced fluoride back into their water because the city's dental work went down so badly they had to put fluoride back in. So oh, I don't know if that's saying a lot for fluoride or if that's just saying a lot about the way they brush their teeth. So, I right. so what happened is the pro, the pro fluoride people, you know, are all like, "See, if you take out fluoride, you a bunch of hippies. This is what happens." And I'm like. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's the argument. I think the argument could be they're not brushing their teeth very well because Vancouver doesn't have dental problems and we don't have fluoride. So Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Fluoride just seems to be kind of like the lazy way, I guess, of making sure your teeth stay good if you're too lazy right. to brush. <laughs> but it's interesting. Fluoride is definitely an interesting one where even I was talking to actually a gentleman named Mo. He was on my last podcast. He's invented the world's first smart water filter. It actually screws right onto your tap. It's got a light on it to tell you when the um, to tell you when it does get changed. And he was actually saying you do need a little bit of fluoride. He's like, so our things don't actually take out all the fluoride; they just reduce it. So it's okay. interesting. Um, cool. So what, now, what are your thoughts on? Uh, have you heard about these people talking about re remineralizing the water or alkalized water? Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I would say not specifically that. I guess my when I talk about healthy water is looking at the test your water mm -hmm. look at what you need and then address the specific yeah um contaminants that are coming in yeah I'm with you so yeah so what i usually do is um like if somebody especially if if the if they're on municipal water you can get a just a pretty basic water purifier i would go probably suggest going with something a little bit better than like a pure water filter mm-hmm but there's products like the Berkey, I believe, uh, water filters that are really great at just um, filtering out a lot of the contaminants that you'd be getting otherwise. And they're really easy to they just set on your counter. They're really easy to use, easy to grab water from. So I like those. And then my next step would be going to a reverse osmosis system. Yeah, because basically the systems are right. You have your um, you have your towers, which are like a charcoal charcoal tower i think that's usually the main active ingredient is like a carbon right. charcoal filter in it i think that's what i have and then you okay. have like you said your reverse osmosis um and then from that i know some people go all the way right up to distilled but that's a huge process yeah um, and <laughs> yeah. then and then what I, I guess there's the other ones that i was kind of talking about and i'm not a, i'm not really sold on this but have you heard of those kangen water filters 
you know? No. No. So what these are is, uh, it used to be, it was big back in the day. If you go to some of the wellness shows, health shows, you'll see them quite often, usually off in a corner somewhere. Basically what they do is it, it, re, it re-antioxidants the water. So it takes all the stuff out and then it charges the water to a, like a positive pH and remineralizes it. I don't know. It's, uh, hmm. I'm more like on the okay. reverse osmosis and just throw a little bit of minerals back in and you're yeah. probably okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So uh, there you go, people. Just a regular, just get a decent filter for the most part, especially if you're a municipality, probably just a regular charcoal filter, you're okay. Um, yeah. Reverse osmosis if you're really concerned about it. Right. And I would mm-hmm. also definitely recommend not just filtering your drinking water, but you also want to make sure you're filtering your bath water because your skin can actually soak in the... Um, contaminants that are coming through yeah and i guess i guess so what you can do is you can get a uh, shower filter for that um and i then i what from what i understand is if you're having a bath what you can actually do is just add a tablespoon of vitamin c powder to your bath water and it destroys all the chlorine so oh that's awesome yeah i I have a vitamin c um shower head so oh do you oh i did not i did see i didn't even know those existed that is Uh, yeah that was aromasense is the company so Look into them because they're they're fun because um, they also they um, also let out an aroma. Oh yeah, <laughs> so no, it's I'm a nice aroma. I'm gonna check that out for sure because it's just funny. Yeah. Just yesterday I was looking. I was like, there must be some kind of uh, aromatherapy for a shower, and but I can't yeah, find anything. That's but that's it. it. Okay, cool. I'll check that out. Now let's talk a little bit. Now I'm gonna say a quote from your website, and then what's gonna lead us into talking about the purpose of rooms. So on your website, it says a healthy home encourages proper sleep, nutrition, exercise, and creates a connection to nature. You also mentioned on your website about the purpose of rooms. Can we talk about the purpose of rooms? Because again, this is kind of a a very feng shui sort of topic too. So let's jump into that. When somebody has to say to you, what does it mean, the purpose of rooms? Purpose of rooms. So I I would say that's more like when I'm thinking of designing spaces, thinking about what the room is going to be used for. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, the most general way of looking at it. And also how you how you move through your home, what, like, what activities are going to be happening in that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so say like an office is a, um, if you have a home office, that's a good one. So if you're designing a house and you know you're going to be working from home all day long, you want to be designing, putting your home office somewhere that is going to be exposed to natural sunlight throughout the day. So in our hemisphere, you want to have the, the room facing south so that you're getting nice southern light all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are, those are the kind of things I'm looking for when I'm laying out spaces and um, you know, designing particular rooms in a home. So let's talk then about the kitchen in particular, because um, the kitchen is both your and my favorite subjects. Now you have a um, you have a workshop coming out, don't you, uh, about kitchens? Yes. So yeah, next month in February, um, it'll be I think it'll it'll be starting around February 18th. I'm doing a live uh, online workshop, and this is for people that are planning to do a renovation or um, like, like a kitchen renovation, mm-hmm. or they're actually building a new house and they're in the process of designing their home. This workshop is going to, I'll be working with a small group of people and um, we'll work together. I'll teach them the main elements, design elements of creating a healthy kitchen. And then we'll work together to make their own um their own kitchen designs. And so it's basically getting, you know, an architect's uh, design help for um, in a group setting for, you know, a fun three week course. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. <laughs> That's what I have going on. Yeah. So you're like me with kitchens, I think. Well, the, the reason I, I like kitchens so much is because I think most kitchens are, are just not very nice. I mean, even the ones that people design them to look really funky, to me, it's so like, the kitchen is still, in my perception, like a relic of World War II. You mm-hmm. know, we're just about hiding away cans and shoving food and hiding everything because you're ready for the bombs to start dropping. Right. So I'm much more like, when it comes to your kitchen, like, what sort of stuff are you talking about? Because I'm much more into, like, having foods on display. I have all my, you know, I have all my, like, grains and stuff and all my non-perishables and glass jars. So I like to keep healthy food on display, you know, keep the junk foods out of the home. I like, if it was up to me, I'd probably take a lot of the shelves off the kitchen as well so you can Mm. actually see things more. Because to me,
me, it's like out yeah. of sight, out of mind. I am a big fan of sprouting and indoor herbs. So let's talk about the kitchen. What, what, let's talk about your thoughts on the kitchen. Yeah, so um, I totally agree with how the, the way kitchens are designed now, they are um, basically, they're still being designed this way from, from post-World World, World War II era where we were getting much more into processed food, canned foods, um, kitchen gadgets were becoming huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just marketing them like crazy to housewives. And so the kitchen design started to be just a place to store things and to store processed foods. It wasn't really a place for <clears throat> functional um, food preparation um, from, from whole foods. So that's what we're dealing with now. We still have kitchens that have a huge amounts of storage space, but not very functional layouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so with a healthy kitchen, what we want to do is, first of all, we want to make sure we're encouraging healthy eating habits. And that is by di- designing in a particular way that gets, just like you're saying, gets those healthy foods out in plain sight so that we know what we're working with and we're more likely to eat them. Um, also we want with a healthy kitchen, we, we want to design a kitchen that really draws you into the space because the only way you're going to want to be in that kitchen cooking, because you still, I mean, when you're using whole foods and you're, and you're preparing healthy meals, you do have to spend some time cooking them in the kitchen. So we might as well make a kitchen that is desirable to be in. It's open and airy and just really welcoming. So you actually want to be in that space. We also want a kitchen that encourages family time. I know, I mean, so many of us are so busy that we come home at the end of the day from work and we just have to jump right into the kitchen and start cooking dinner. And so our kids are off doing their own thing. We don't really see much of each other. So when we have a kitchen that is designed purposefully to, um, to, hold a, you know, more than just one person and to be able to function well with more just more than just one person working, we can actually get the family involved in making food, which is fun and, you know, healthy for the kids to learn and great for our family time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and then of course, with a healthy kitchen, we want uh, to be keeping our bodies healthy. So that means we're using non-toxic products and non-toxic, um, you know, cabinetry, countertops, uh, flooring. So we don't want to be exposing ourselves to harmful chemicals while we're creating healthy food. <laughs> yeah, now let's talk about that for a minute. So what are some of your tips for food prep, for instance, when it comes to you know plastics and glass and different cookwares and stuff like that? So let's talk about some of your food prep and food preparing tips. Sure. So uh, one of them is if you haven't yet done this, I would definitely get rid of any nonstick cookware that you have. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's like Teflon. Uh, So anything that makes it really convenient to, especially if you don't like cooking with oil, it's it's a nice (laughs) product to have. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, there are um, chemicals, the Teflon's a brand of chemical that... um, will start to leach out of the product at high heat. So when you're cooking, um, you know, it's very easy to get your, your, your food in your um, pan to high heat. So it's hard to control whether or not you're actually releasing the toxins mm-hmm. off this nonstick cookware. And uh, so the best thing to do is just replace it. Don't use nonstick cookware. Use stainless steel or cast iron instead. And um, then you'll be much better off with that. And the other good thing about not using nonstick is that you can also then eliminate the plastic utensils that you're supposed to use with them because you don't want to be scratching them. Yep. So you can get rid of the plastic. Look, the flipper. You mean spatula. <laughs> um, spatula. <laughs> there we go. Yep. And uh, spoons and stuff like that. So uh, then you can switch to all stainless steel utensils, which... Basically, what you're trying to do is get rid of plastic and bring in uh, glass, stainless steel, and cast iron. Those are really the, the materials you want to be using when you're preparing and storing food. Mm-hmm, for sure. So, um, now, what are your thoughts? Because it's interesting because I was always kind of a big fan when it came to ceramic cookware for a while. But lately, there's been a lot of, apparently a lot of the ceramics out there are uh, 
laced with a lot of them have quite a bit of lead and stuff in them. Yeah, uh, right. And I think I, I was reading something recently, and I can't remember. It might have been there a product that um, has been found to not have any lead in it, so it was a good choice. But with things like that, I mean, if you want to do the research and make sure you find a product that has been tested and tested to make sure it is lead-free, then definitely go for it because there are ceramic is a great cooking product. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I don't I don't have any. And then the other one I know a lot of people cook into it. It's I'm always saying like, yeah, you may want to three think of that as copper. You know, especially I know like old Ayurvedic, yeah. you know, you drink your water out of copper. But the fact is we actually have quite a bit of copper in North America already with all of our copper piping and stuff. So right. <laughs> copper is the best choice. Either <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I haven't looked too much into copper. So yeah, cause uh, I know, well, I know my, a lot of them are copper ceramic blends, you know. So, mm, okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Actually, Laura Segetti, she wrote the book uh, Green, Green Home, something, something about Green Home. She actually just did a really big investigation into cookware. And uh, she really slammed on the ceramic stuff. Apparently, she only found one brand um, that was any good. So Oh, man. Yeah, okay. so it's kind of interesting. So I definitely suggest sticking with the stainless steel and even the higher quality. I think they call the highest quality like medical grain stainless steel. Um, yep. And then from there, you know, if you're getting your stainless steel from the dollar store, you can probably be sure there's a little bit of lead right. and aluminum in there. So definitely, exactly. um, I always tell people, you know, really invest in good quality cookware because the fact is, if you treat it right, it will last you a long time. Um, anything else when it comes to kitchen? Now, the other one that, what about um, another one that I uh, see quite often is people with plastic uh, hot water kettles. Oh yeah, switching those over to like a stainless steel yeah, water that's kettle. True. Yeah, because <laughs> that's probably not a good idea. No. Heating, yeah, Boiling you never want to have plastic. heat and plastic together. So, yeah. um, right, yeah, that, that would that would be a good one to avoid. Yeah, just getting no, for sure. boiling it on the stove. Yeah. I guess now, yeah. your website. You also have another course. Uh, you have a full out course that's coming out soon. Can you tell us about that one? Sure. So yeah, I'm my design for wellness course. It's an online class that I created and it's a, um, you know, you watch at your own leisure and your own pace kind of a course. And it basically, it just takes you room by room through all the main rooms in the house that if you're going to be again, renovating or building a new house, or you just want to do a home transformation, then this is a great course to clearly, um, explain how to design for each room of the house. Um, so it has a really in-depth section on kitchens because I do love kitchen design. So yep. you'll get a whole bunch of information about kitchens, um, entryways, and it's looking, you know, f going far beyond um, toxins and air quality. It's looking at how to make your home calmer and how to make it more uh, user-friendly, so better for, you know, movement and mm -hmm. nutrition, nourishment. Uh, comfort is a big one, too, that's affecting how healthy and happy we are in our home. So mm -hmm. it's addressing how you can make your house more comfortable, and it just takes you room by room and, and shows you how to do it. So, nice. So that was fun. So before we go, because we're approaching the hour, um, I think we're about 50 minutes right now, we'll wrap up with just let me ask you about this, because you brought it up about movement in your house. Um, mm. Have you heard, there's a little bit of a, uh, and, and my house is one of these, a bit of a trend right now towards the no furniture homes, going yes, more towards that uh, classic Japanese sort of thought, you know? So yeah. Um, how do you incorporate more movement? Because, you know, we're all talking about how sitting is the big smoking. Having standing desks at work is probably a really good idea. Um, but how do you or do you even address, like, more movement in the home? Like, not so much sitting. Like, how, how do you talk to people about that aspect? Yeah. So if you're just transforming your home, um, you know, one the thing I would try to concentrate on is finding a place for – uh, actual like a workout area. So, um, so you're making it easy to work out in your home, doing mm -hmm. something like yoga, whatever you like to do, if you can't get outside and be active outside. Um, so with home transformations, that's a good one because it doesn't, you're just, you're rearranging your, your either furniture or whatever you might have going on just to try to carve out space to be more active. Mm -hmm. um, also, if you have stairs in your house, that is a great free way of getting exercise. So rather than thinking, oh, God, I don't want to go downstairs or whatever it is, think, oh, good, I get to go downstairs and get a little exercise. So find excuses for going up and down the stairs. That's a, that's a nice, easy one. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're designing a home, what I really like to think about is 
uh, how, how we can set the home up to just encourage more movement throughout our time being in the home. And stairs is definitely a good one. So when I'm designing a new house, I, I want to make sure it has multiple levels uh, depending on the user that's going to be there, whether or not they can use stairs. Um, but that just that gets that movement going. But then also incorporating really like just fun design ideas where maybe and this is becoming more trendy, but maybe having a climbing wall somewhere in your house, um, mm -hmm. you know, and and having it prominent and not hiding these things so that you're you're, it's in your living area, so you're just going to start climbing because you're, you know, otherwise you're just going to be sitting there. So, uh, things to get you moving, or or a ladder that goes up to your second floor instead of stairs because it's kind of fun to climb a ladder. Yeah, so that's little thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because the thing is, you don't want to hide it because again, it's similar going back to that kitchen thing, out of sight, out of mind. So right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of the things that I'll try to do with clients often is for you know, usually as a present, I give them a little squat stool. It's like a little twelve-inch stool. Just to, and I mm. say, put this in your living room, or you know, maybe during a commercial break, or you're watching a show. Just try to sit in the squat position, you know, if you can. That's a great one. Floor cushions. I'm really happy to see floor cushions are catching on so much more in North America. Yeah, you know, it was a few years ago you never saw them, but now even the high end furniture, you know, they're like eight hundred dollar cushions, but you know, they have them. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Uh, but the, yeah, I mean, that's good. Yeah, have you seen the it's squatty potty? Up and down. I have seen that. Yeah. yeah, that's a funny one. The other thing that I like is um, uh, I try to get my uh, the people to build. Um, I guess one of the things that I really like is an area in your house where you can go to de-stress. So you have your area you can right. exercise, which is kind of like to, yeah. to activate the sympathetic system. But then the I also a big fan of building the Zen zones and kind of like into the floor cushions and having a little area. Maybe just read or a journal there or something like that. Do you try to talk to people about like stress or do you just try to build the entire home to be stress-free? Like, Well, I do try to build the home, the entire home to be um, stress-reducing. But yes, having that particular room where you can just get away and recharge is super important. So that's a, a big incorporated design feature. Yeah, my grandma, what she did is she's, she's about 97, I think. And what she did is she actually has a little outdoor garage, but she turned that into an entire, uh, basically it's an art studio slash library. So oh, you go out cool. there, she's got chairs and she does a little bit of painting there and she's got her books and she, that's just her, literally just her like uh, personal development space where she just goes, yeah, just, oh, no computers, great. no nothing in there. It's, it's, she doesn't mm -hmm. have Wi-Fi anyway, but there's nothing in there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Those are great and very important to be incorporating. Great. Well, listen, um, we're approaching our time, so I will let you go. Um, your websites again are, uh, the main one that people could go to for the most part is Balanced Home balancedlife.com. Could you explain the sort of things they can see on there? Yep. So there you'll find um, just a ton of free information about uh, healthy homes, whether it's a particular room you're looking for or just uh, some general overview of why you want a healthy home. Um, so that's on there. Plus my, my course is on there. And then also I'll be um, soon having the sign up for my, my kitchen workshop will be on there as well. And uh, what about social media? Is there anywhere people can find you on social media? Yes. So I am um, Balanced Architecture on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And my Pinterest board is a lot of fun because if you're looking for just healthy home design ideas and love looking at photos, then I have a boatload on there. So you should Sorry, that check was Pinterest, that one out. Did you say? Pinterest, yeah. Pinterest, yeah. That's the one I've never... I've never I've seen it before, but I'm definitely, I'm not on there. Uh, seems to me yeah, very, you have to be very artsy craftsy, I think, to be on that one. So. Yeah, or just love looking at photos or pictures. That's, yeah. that's my thing. I just love scrolling. Yeah, I actually got my bed designed from Pinterest, actually. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, because what I did is I wanted a floor bed, kind of like, because I do like the Japanese futon style, but at the same time, I don't want it to be on the floor because you want the, kind of the airflow under the bed or, you, you know, so because you don't right. want that. So the one guy had had actually, he, what he did is he took two shipping pallets and mm. they basically just painted them white and they put their mattress, like their futon mattress on top of that. That way you get the air in there. But the other thing they did is they put um, lights underneath it, like little, um, just those little string LEDs. And I was oh, like, cool. well, that's a cool little idea. That's kind of fun. So I did that. And then he also had some good nice. tips on, because um, the thing is, you got to be careful even with those pallets because there's 
uh, very toxic ones and there's very clean ones. Yeah. So there was a code you had to look for that basically meant it was Canadian wood and it wasn't from China. Because, yeah, a lot of them exactly. are quite pesticide filled. So, an interesting. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. And you got to get clean ones because you don't want ones covered in oil. So, cool. All right. Well, that's lots of places they can find you. And I will add that into all the notes. I think we had a great podcast. We'll definitely have to do another yeah, one awesome. because um, there's we, we only got really through one room. There's so many more rooms to cover. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are. Yes. Great. Yeah, well, anyway, great. yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. And uh, like I said, guys, make sure you go and you check out her um, both the um, the course, which is again is called the Design for Wellness course. Correct? Is that yes. what it's called? Yeah. And then the other one is your um, is your series of live workshops that's kitchen specific. So yes. yeah. Yep. So balanced uh, home balanced life.com. You guys go up there and sign up for that. Uh, and it's a great price too, for that design for wellness course. It's an extremely good price point. So great. Well, thank you, Kate, for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the health by design podcast with wellness architect and functional lifestylist, Roar Alexander. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you share it to all your social media so I can get the word out there. And don't forget to join me at www.roaralexander.com to get all the latest updates, blogs, podcasts, and guest interviews with my special guests from all over the world, as well as to set up your own personal call for one-on-one coaching through my health by design life and body transformation programs. Again, that's www.roaralexander.com. I'll see you again soon. And again, thanks for tuning in to the Health by Design podcast.